Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Right Club podcast. I'm Laurel Simmons, your co-host today, and with me is Catherine Nelson-Riley, our operations manager. So, Catherine, we have uh, Nancy Morris, who's a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, and she's spoken at the Right Club events, and she's also been on a podcast before. Nancy's just a wealth of knowledge, isn't she? In terms of motivation, yes. mindset for anyone, but really for real estate investors, because man, we have a lot of stuff to deal with. Absolutely. And with the market fluctuations and the uncertainty that is out there, she is giving some fabulous tips to, to how to stay focused, to, to how to remain successful. And I, I was, and what to do and what to take out of your language. Yes. In order for you to become successful. And so with that, I'm not going to really to, I'm not going to say anything about what's coming up. So let's get to it. Alrighty. And just before we do, if you want lots of great information, go to the rightclub.com. Lots of free information, hundreds and hundreds of hours. Our podcasts are there, lots of video content. And also if you give us some Pod love that would be great just rate us on whatever platform it is you're using and that will help us reach even more people so with that Catherine, we shall go to the interview with nancy welcome to the right club podcast where the focus is on helping you the real estate investor advance to the next level and now let's join this week's hosts and share ways for you to customize your life hey nancy welcome to the Right Club Podcast. It's great to have you back. It's been a while since you've been you've joined us, but today we are going to talk about well, all those things that just sort of creep up on real estate investors and get them stuck a little bit and all the rest of it. Right. So you're in Ottawa. I'm joined here with by Catherine Nelson Riley, and we're just going to talk about all of this stuff that keeps investors from really doing what they want to do. Right. Yeah, it's great to be back. I mean, it has been a while, but it's great to be back. And, you know, this subject of business psychology essentially is what we're going to be talking about. It is my passion is to support people in understanding how to use those three pounds on top of their shoulders to achieve the stuff that they want to achieve. And sometimes when they're not achieving it, it's because they've misread the signals, you know, coming from that, the gray matter, and they're not following what is quite often naturally happening in their brain and they're going off on a tangent somewhere else. So that can usually take people off track of where they want to go. So knowing the difference between, you know, the mindset and the psychology of somebody who is achieving what they want to achieve and somebody who may not be achieving that, people can often see where they fit in that spectrum and then take steps to make the changes that they feel they need to change. Okay, so today, in today's real estate market, I mean, it's, well, turbulent is probably a fair word, but truly, when, it, when is the real estate market not turbulent? I kind of chuckle sometimes when people say, oh, well, you know, it was, the market was so much better five years ago. And I'm thinking, yes, but five years ago, people were saying, oh, the market was so much better three years ago, or there's never a perfect time to be a real estate investor, and there never will be a perfect time. I think people get into it with goals and maybe sometimes bigger goals than they realize. Maybe not bigger goals that they realize, but goals of, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's to retire or to put their 
kids to college or university or to travel the world, whatever it is, pay off their own house and their own debts. They get into this with grandiose goals and then they get their first deal and they realize, holy hell, this is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, because they don't, first off, they don't understand what goals are. You know, a lot of people don't set goals. They set dreams. And of course, you know, a, a goal is a dream with a deadline. That's the old saying. I have a, another saying that goes along with that. But people have these, what we could consider lofty ideas without realizing or even taking action steps to put a framework around that idea. So they don't even really begin to convert that into action steps, tasks, outcomes, desired outcomes, performance goals, and these sorts of things. They just have this idea and they start shooting for it. And that's saying, I want to go to Europe on a trip. Well, I mean, you're well-traveled, Laurel. I mean, you know as well as I do that you, you could just jump on a plane and head to an airport, but you're going to be heading towards a specific airport. No matter, even if you just say, I'm going to go to Europe, you've got to decide which airport you're going to land in and get on that flight. So you at least start to have to put action steps measurable, specific tasks in place. So what a lot of people have is lofty dreams or just dreams that they don't put the structure around. And that's where they, what will often lead them to get stuck is because hopefully, and this is a psychologist speaking, hopefully there is a gap between where you are now and where you want to be. And hopefully I like big gaps, but a lot of people don't. So, you know, if the dream is really big, and there's no framework around it, there's no thought through structure, then it becomes something that the brain kind of goes, no, I don't like that. I'm afraid of that, or my life is going to change too much, or some sort of negative noise begins to happen, and the person isn't going to take the action step. So they get stuck, primarily because they don't have a framework in place that supports the mindset that they need to have, and then vice versa. The mindset gets too negative, it gets too bogged down, and they don't take the action steps they need to. So result number one, or not result, task number one for anybody who's not getting where they want to go is, do I have a dream or do I have a desired outcome? You know, so it, it, I have a, what the difference is between a dream and a desired outcome, because I don't think a lot of people get that distinction. No, they don't. So a desired outcome is an objective such as I want to make X amount of money or I want to have X number of doors or, you know, I want to have three pieces of property that generate X amount of income. Desired outcome are those more specific, measurable, you know, number and all the rest of it. That is a desired outcome. But one of the key factors about a desired outcome is that it's not within your control. So desired outcomes are these numbers that other people are involved with. And this is another distinction about goals. You know, people talk about goals, like say, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars in my real estate investment, this, in my real estate this year. Okay. That's not entirely within your control because you're relying on other people or systems or whatever that have to make decisions that impact that. Let's be realistic about it. You don't decide to make a hundred grand. That's your desired outcome. But other people make decisions that influence that, whether or not they, you know, invest with you, work with you, rent from you, whatever language we're, go we're going to say here. 
So those are desired outcomes. Well, what's really important for people to understand are performance goals or what we often call behavioral goals. So what are those things that are entirely within your control that make that hundred grand more likely to happen? Those are the things that you focus on. And again, if people are stuck, maybe they've got this dream that they haven't turned into something measurable. They haven't got the desired outcomes. So they have no destination point that's tangible and, you know, that they can work towards. But even if they do have that destination point, as you said, people start working towards it. Then they realize they have to work. And, oh, guess what happens? Not everything I do is going to have a positive outcome. Not everything I do is going to work. In fact, most of the things that people do will not work at some point. And so we tend to lose faith and confidence because what we've inadvertently done is we've put our confidence in the decisions that other people are making. Does that make sense? Yes. Have I lost you a bit? No, no. Well, no, but let's really talk about that because, you know, we say people, you know, other people are really taking the control out of our hands, right? So, like, for example, then this happens all the time. You are a real estate investor and you, maybe you've got five mortgages. You've got five properties, five doors. And you go to the bank because I want another one or five or ten. And the bank says, no, banks don't do that, do they? <laughs> Sorry, so sad. But, you know, you have hit the ceiling. We don't, we, you know, you're not a good risk because you've already got, you know, they do their math and whatever. And uh, they're underwriting. No, can't do it. Cannot do it. You can't possibly buy another property and then, <laughs> right? There goes the wind out of your sails because, oh, geez. Now what do I do? I get the money, right? And that's almost like, in a sense, it's tunnel vision because in that case, you've taken one route or route, whether I'm speaking of it or <laughs> Whoever the audience is today, yeah. Route, route. And I've basically run, you know, run right into that brick wall. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out. And he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. Yeah. The thing to do is when a person is planning their action steps or planning what's happening next is to review those things and see if the outcome of that is entirely within their control. So in the scenario, you say, I'm going to go to the bank and ask them for X amount of money because I want to get two more doors. Okay. My desired outcome 
is two more doors. My desired outcome is that the bank will give me the money. I actually have no control over that. I could walk in there just, you know, even being no risks to them at all, but they just decide today because somebody way up in management decided that we're not lending anybody any more money, you know, that sort of stuff. It's really important that I do not invest my mindset into their decision. I need to keep my focus on the things that I can control. And in this situation, I can control whether or not I do the paperwork for them, whether or not I show up on time. The words that are coming out of my mouth, I can control all of that. So that's my performance goal is I'm going to show up and I'm going to give it what I think is my best shot. And I'm going to ask. That's my performance goal. Beyond that, I'm not going to invest any of my confidence, resilience, sense of self, any of that mindset stuff that we need to have. Because otherwise, I'm just handing it to the bank. I'm handing everything to the bank. So like you say, going to the bank is one route. There are obviously other routes. But if people are envisioning getting the money from the bank as a goal, quote unquote goal, and the wind comes out of their sails, they're more likely to stop. They're more likely to start procrastinating. They're more likely to buy into the imposter syndrome or the inner critic. So that's why focusing on your performance goals, no matter what happens, you can still be confident. You can still be forthright. You can still be moving things forward. Most people get stuck when they've given their confidence or given their sense of self or their mindset over to stuff outside of their control. Success so, comes when you focus on what you can control. So, but if we back up, we take that example and we back it up. So instead of long before we go to the bank, we're sitting in our office, we're looking, you know, we're doing what we're doing in front of our computer, whatever it is, our phone. And we really stop to think, right? Now, this is where you start taking back and I, I do hesitate about using the word control because I, I prefer the term like being in charge of something because control has all kinds of weird stuff around it. But <laughs> I'm in charge of what I do and I'm in charge of the decisions I make, not in charge of anybody else's decisions, the, of the decisions that I make. So one of the decisions I can make is before I go to the bank, long before I go there, I can sit down and say, okay. The bank is one avenue from which I can get money or I mm. might get whatever words you want to use, right? Yep. And there are other avenues. So let's, let me write down that. So even if one, my performance goal is to maybe for the week, again, and you and I've talked about performance goals a lot, maybe for the week, my performance goal is to every single day come up with another way to I don't want to say attract money, but to find the money, right? Yep. Yep. Other approaches for sure. Yeah. That's an example of a performance goal because it's something you can take charge of. You know, I understand what you're saying about control. It's not a word I like to use either, but a lot of people are invested in that word in some form or another. So the key is what word does a person use that makes them feel more personally powerful? You use the term in charge. A lot of people use the word control. So I would invite them to change that to in charge. What am I in charge of? Because, um, yeah, I mean, people say, well, I'm not in control of anything, you know, karma and oh God, all that sort of stuff that plays a role. So what am I in charge of? What can I do? What is the behavior I can take? 
And that's a really good example of one of those behavioral or performance goals is I am going to write down every day for a week different approaches I can take to increase the likelihood of getting that money to take the next step in my investment portfolio. And maybe that's a really different... One, sorry, maybe, maybe you decide that one of those actions you can take or one of those strategies you can take is to go out and find money partners, private lenders, right? So that's a goal. That's a... Perf I'm going to... It's a strategy. Written it down. I want to do this. I want to do this. That's a performance goal. But that's also a very big goal. Find other people to work with. That, let me rephrase this for you again. Finding other people to work with is a desired outcome. It's not within your control. You cannot be in charge of it. So it is not a goal. It is a desired outcome. The goal, the performance goal, is you picking up the phone, you sending an email, you inviting conversation. That's a performance goal. We don't learn when we're young the difference between what is and is not in our realm of being in charge of or being in control of. We don't learn that. We're taught in school that a goal, for example, is to get 90% on an exam. Well, I'm sorry, that's not within your control. That's not something you can be in charge of, particularly if it's an essay exam and the teacher is a jerk that day when they're writing. You know, there's so many confounding factors. It cannot be a goal if you do not have control or if you are not in charge of its outcome. So finding partners is a desired outcome. Picking up the phone twice a day for a week is a performance goal that is within your control, that is something you can take charge of. And regardless of whether or not it happens, you are still achieving that performance goal. So therefore, your confidence doesn't slide. The wind doesn't come out of your sails. You still take, you know, those consistent actions because you are able to do so. It is something you can choose to get up and do. If you're not getting up and doing the thing that is within your control, that's a different conversation, which we'll touch on in a minute. But getting this difference between a desired outcome and a performance goal, getting that in somebody's head is super important because it impacts one's mindset, confidence, resilience, all the things that we say people need to have, particularly in something that can be quite volatile, like real estate investing. These are the sorts of skills, mindset skills that one really needs to focus on and not just that's just semantics, Nancy. Well, your whole brain runs by semantics. The story you tell yourself gets you out of bed or not in the morning. So if you tell yourself a story of, I can be in charge of whether or not I pick up the phone five times this week. And I do that. Look at me. I did good. Now, you know, and this is a story I use all the time is I have a sign on my wall that says five new clients every month. Okay. That sign is a desired outcome because it's not in my control whether or not five people decide to work with me. But what are the action steps that I can take that make it more likely that I'll work with five new people? All of those things are my performance goals. It's attending networking events. It's sending emails. It's doing social media posts. It's doing outreach. These, all of these things I can be in charge of. I can schedule them in my calendar. I can 
you know, actually pick up the phone. I can actually type up the emails. I can take these steps. And if I'm not taking them, well, like I said, that's another story. But it's so important to my sense of confidence to recognize that five is a wonderful number. Five new clients is a wonderful number, but it's not in my control. So why in God's name would I hand over all of my confidence, self-esteem to something I am not in charge of? This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Yeah. And that's, you know, that really relates well to real estate investing because someone could say, I want five new doors this year. Well, yep. okay. That's I think for season and experience field, but it doesn't really matter. That is a desired outcome. And yes, wonderful. That's a wonderful desired outcome. You're very specific about what you want rather than saying, oh, I want a whole bunch of properties. <laughs> yeah, right. Because our brain does like specifics, right? It like, does. It likes, okay, five, five, rather than five doors, maybe it's a five plex. Maybe it's five detached homes. Maybe it's, five duplexes, whatever it is, right? It's five. It's, and the more specific you are, the easier it is to work with. Because it, it's, it, the brain doesn't like things that are confusing. When we use terms like, I want some or many or a bunch, or, you know, the brain kind of goes, well, that doesn't say much to me. So I'm going to go do this thing over here. So yes, if we say, I want to, I would like as a desired outcome or my objective this year is five new doors. Let's go with that. That's five new doors. Okay, great. Step number two is, okay, what are the action steps I can take and I need to take that will make those five doors more likely to happen? And what of those steps are within my control to do? And then it's planning those out. You know, it's, you know, what, who do I need to reach out to? What do I need to learn? Where are my knowledge gaps, for example? Who can I call? What's what marketing strategies or what connection strategies do I need? What do I need to learn? Okay, I'm going to say two hours every day. I'm going to read this and this, or I'm going to go on to the right club website and do this and this. Those are all things that I can take charge of. Those are all things that I can do. And that's where I must work to put my attention when it comes to my confidence and self-esteem. That's where where I invest myself is in my performance goals. Otherwise, I'll say it again. Otherwise, I'm handing over my mindset to other people's decisions, which is just crazy. Crazy. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> we do it all the time, though, right? That's, we do we it. Learned, we learned how to do it. Yeah. You know, and like I said, when we were in school or whatever, we learned to focus on things that we can't control people in situations that we cannot be in charge of. That's what we learn to do. What I'm saying is, as someone want, if someone wants to be successful or more successful than they feel they already are, 
then focusing on their performance goals will help them to get there. That's the way to do it. Because being successful is something you need to make up your mind to do. And making up your mind means you want to be more in control of or take charge of your mindset, your inner critic, the noise that's going on in your head. If you hand over your confidence to the decision-making powers of other people, well, then you're not doing your best to have the mindset of what you perceive to be a successful real estate investor. And at the same time, when we talk about those performance goals, I think we do have to be careful that we don't, we can also make those a bit unclear also. And not, I guess what I'm trying to say is you do need some kind of strategy. You do need some kind of plan because you can't just go from saying, I want five new doors this year to, all right, I'm going to pick up the phone five times a day or whatever it is, right? There are intermediate steps. Yes, there are. And so in, you know, what are those steps? What do you know of those steps? What needs to happen? What is the ABC? What is the plan? What is the strategy? And then it's laying that out and then implementing that and measuring your success. Okay, so I made five calls. I'm trying to find investment partners. Let's say we're doing it that way. I'm trying to find partners. I made five calls this week and I got nowhere. Okay. What could I do next week now that I'm measuring this? Okay, I'm going to make eight calls or I'm going to target 20 people quite specifically and I'm going to get in touch with those 20 people, for example. Do do you know what I mean? Like, what is the strategy? What is the step that I can take? What is the framework? And I don't know what that framework could be and it could be different for all sorts of different situations and what it is that you're trying to do. But there's a framework for everything. So what is the framework? And then follow that framework. Do I even, you know, the person is saying, okay, I want five new doors this year. Okay, let's look at that. I want five new doors this year. That's my desired outcome. Now I need to put together my strategy that consists of various performance goals. Do I even know what that is? Do I even actually know what the strategy would be? No, I don't. Okay, what's the first thing I need to do is I need to learn what that strategy might be or a framework. Okay, so who do I contact? What websites do I visit? Who do I get in touch with? And that's still, you know, a degree of desired outcomes. Let's say I said to myself, I want five new doors this year. Who do I know that could help me with that? Oh, I know Laurel could, but maybe Laurel's busy. Maybe I can't get in touch with Laurel, you know, whatever. So Who else do I get in touch with? Just because I say I'm going to get in touch with Laurel doesn't mean I can. That's a desired outcome, right? So I'm, but I'm going to pick up the phone or I'm going to send you an email. So, you know, maybe, but that doesn't work. Okay. Who else can I get in touch with? What else can I learn? And being in command of one's daily actions is the thing that feeds our self-esteem and feeds our confidence. And whilst we need to take these action steps to get those five doors, for example, or to work towards those five doors, we also need to take action steps that will feed our sense of self. Performance goals, as I said, you know, focusing on performance goals, the stuff that's within your control. Self-care, finding joy, practicing gratitude, all of these other things. Mindset is so important 
like I said, you have to make up your mind to be successful. There are systems galore out there for everything. If somebody says to me, I don't know how to do something, and then the next day they're still saying, I don't know how, it's because they don't actually want to know or they're afraid of something. Because if I say, I don't know how today, I can find out the answer in the next 24 hours or an answer in the next 24 hours on the internet, through phoning friends, you know, whatever. So if someone's saying, I don't know how, then the question is more about their mindset. People don't realize how important their mindset is to everything it is that they're trying to achieve personally and professionally. And we behave in ways that are actually self-sabotaging without even knowing it. So for example, I know a lot of really successful people, successful, quote unquote, by their definition of success. It usually equates to money, revenue, or opportunities. They have an abundance of all of those sorts of things. Very few of those people will behave in ways that are self-sabotaging. Yes, of course it happens. We self-sabotage until the day we die in one form or another. But more often than not, somebody who is achieving their performance goals and getting most of their desired outcomes is somebody who has a really high sense of self-awareness and positive mental well-being. Not a positive attitude, I don't like that phrase, but positive mental well-being. Positive mental well-being looks like this. I didn't get that door. I didn't get that deal that I was hoping to get. That really sucks. I'm going to take a day and just wallow in it. <laughs> Whatever. I'm just going to wallow in it. And then tomorrow, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do more performance goals. Do, do you know what I mean? That's the mindset of somebody who's going to take those persistent, consistent actions over time. You're not 100% all the time, every day, 365, you know, all that just doesn't happen that way. It's, do you have the self-awareness to recognize, oh, I'm in a funk. I need to step back for a few hours or until tomorrow or until Monday, and then I'm going to come full bore again. Successful people do that. Successful people are not 100% all the time. Successful people, however, and I don't like that word successful, but, you know, by their measure of success, are people who understand how their mindset works and work with it rather than against it. So if we back up a little bit to the performance of the outcome goals. So what I'm hearing you say is that we have this large outcome, desired outcome. And within that, so it's, it's our five doors. Then within that, we have other desired outcomes. Well, anyway, thank you very much, Nancy. I think you've given us all a lot to think about. I'm not going to tell people they should think about it. I'm just going to say. But yeah, it, I invite people to think about it. And really, I invite people to talk with others about what they've heard that they agree with or disagree with in this conversation. Because then that's where somebody's real learning comes, is taking a piece of what they've heard us talking about and doing something with it and discussing it with somebody else. And where could people reach? What's the easiest way for them to reach you? NancyMorris.com. Okay. That's pretty the easy. Way. Yep. All right. Super, Nancy. We'll have you back in a few months because, man, we could talk about a whole bunch of stuff. It was great. Thank you. It was great to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, Catherine, I think that we really have to work on our language, right? It has such an impact on our self-esteem and how we operate every day and what kind of results we get, right? Absolutely. 
it's, and it's such a little thing. And as Nancy says, it's learned behavior and how to be able to become aware and to assess and adjust as you go through. But with that being said, I mean, it was such a fabulous conversation that we had with her and so much great information. I know that the part two is coming up because we just couldn't fit it all into one podcast episode. Exactly. So please listen to part two as we finish our conversation with Nancy Morris. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast, where the focus is on helping all levels of real estate investors advance to the next level and help you customize your life. Be sure to tune in next week at rightclub.com slash podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you get a few seconds, please rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps the show get noticed by others like you. And we truly appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe.